Our scripture lesson comes to us today from Luke's writing in the book of Acts. I'll be reading from chapter 17, beginning with verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus and asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. And Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the object of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human, hand, by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are His offspring. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I love that Kyle began our service today sharing about the preschool and the visitor who came onto our campus because I think both of those situations are right at the heart of my message this morning because they're right at the heart of what is in this passage from the book of Acts. It's context. It's context. It's how it is that we witness the gospel to people right there where they are and how it is they can hear. It's so important for the kids, right, at preschool. So important, and I'm so grateful to be part of a church that values children's Christian spiritual development from early, early on. So important that we teach them in a way that they can learn about the goodness of God. And then we have this situation where the fella came onto campus and was surprised that at a church, people might actually wear masks. And if you drive by our sign out front, you'll see that one of the slides says, saying our prayers and listening to scientists. This is our context. This is the day in which we engage. Christians don't need to be fearful of science. God created our minds, right, as well as our faith, gave us our faith as a gift. And into this context, we have a witness. Science doesn't threaten faith. 
And Paul is going to talk a little bit about that. And you'll hear it today. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day, for our time, for the call upon our lives to be faithful and to bear witness to you in a way that people can hear your good news. For it's in your name and for your sake, God, that we live and move and have our being. Amen. So last fall, which seems like eons ago, our church began a process called Harrison Next. Gosh, February seems like eons ago, but I'm going all the way back to fall. So we began this process called Harrison Next, and we spent time in intentional prayer, and we spent time in Bible study, and we spent time in conferencing, and at the end of a couple of months of struggling with Scripture and with each other, trying to discern where it is the Spirit is leading Harrison Church, we met with a consultant from the conference. And about 100 of you gathered, everybody was invited, but about 100 folks gathered that Saturday morning to to continue to listen and discern the movement of the Spirit. And one of the activities we did with the consultant that morning was to talk about our elevator speech. How is it that we would bear witness to our faith in Christ between the first floor and the 15th floor, right? Or how is it that we would share our faith if given just a tiny bit of time, perhaps more than a minute, but but how is it, right? That's the question. How is it that we bear witness to our faith in our time, in our place, in a way that others can understand, that others can hear and experience God for themselves? That's exactly, as I mentioned earlier, what Paul is doing here in Acts chapter 17. It's his elevator speech. And Paul had many elevator speeches. Paul was a master at understanding his context and understanding the people around him and the culture around him and how it is he could and would speak faith into that situation. And in Acts 17, we find Paul in Athens doing just that. And I love what one preacher said. He said that Paul has found himself in yet another, in yet another place, in yet another strange and complex situation. The preacher said that Paul is seeking to be faithful in yet another strange and complex situation. Paul just seeking to be faithful in yet another situation, unprecedented, we may say. How is it like Paul, do we seek to be faithful in strange and complex situations in unprecedented times such as ours? How do we speak faith into this moment? And and we see a bit of how that might go in this elevator speech of Paul's. From chapter 17. As I mentioned, Paul has gone to Athens. He's on the run. He's been run out of three other places at this point. And he goes to Athens, which we are told is a a city of religion and politics and philosophy, all there in one place. And Paul knows it. And he begins to observe all the, the different idols around the city as he goes into Athens. And it makes him angry. He doesn't like what he sees. Especially as as any good Jew who became a Christian, these idols would be incredibly offensive. And Paul doesn't like it one bit. 
And so he goes into these settings, he goes to the synagogue, which was part of his practice, and he goes into the marketplace, as was part of his practice, and he goes with a word that we know is full of distress. That's what the scriptures say. Paul is deeply distressed. One translation says that Paul is deeply angered by all that is going on in this complex and strange situation. And so he goes into those situations and you can just feel the tension that he doesn't know how to speak into it. And he does his best, but I I love what the, the text says, that those who heard him wanted to know, what is it that this babbler is talking about? It's a little harsh. All those who heard Paul in the synagogue and in the marketplace called him a babbler. Eugene Peterson's The Message says, airhead, that's even harsher. What is it that he's saying? And and in some way he did pique their interest. And so they said, some of them, let's hear a little bit more, but let's move to the Aragopeus. Let's move to this public forum. And as they moved literally, we began to see that Paul grew spiritually. Or perhaps Paul was reminded of how important context is because by the time he moves from synagogue and marketplace to the public forum, Paul is ready to present the gospel in a way that those who gather around him can actually hear, can actually listen to, be intrigued by. And then by the end of this text, we see a few of them make a commitment to Christ. Paul moves from one place to another physically and spiritually so that he may bear witness to the gospel. And so he gets to this public forum and he speaks to the Athenians, honoring the listener where they are. And in a way that they can hear, he says, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went throughout your city, I saw all these shrines and temples constructed to the gods that you profess to worship. And you were so religious that you even built a temple to an unknown God, just to make sure you covered your bases, right? You built this temple or this shrine to an unknown God. Well, listen up, Paul says, because I want to tell you who this unknown God is. Rather than acting out of distress or anger, rather than speaking in absolutes, rather than speaking words perhaps that would divide, Paul chooses to honor where the listener is, to understand the situation through context and speak into the gospel in a way that they could hear. On the flip side of Easter, a situation that's unprecedented in and of itself, what is it we are called to still do? It is to speak into our situation in a way that people can hear, in a way that honors where they are but does not leave them there. People of Athens, I know you're religious. You even have this temple to an unknown God, but let me tell you who he is. I love that. This God for whom you already have a temple, this is the Lord who's made the world and everything in it. This is the God of heaven and earth who does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. He's got it all. This God whom you seek gives all mortals life and breath and all things. 
And from one, he has allotted all nations and times to inhabit this earth so that at some point they would search for God, perhaps grope for God and find him. And I get to be part of the way that you will encounter God. That is such a gift for Paul and for us. How is it that we can speak into our situation for all those who are searching so desperately for God in these strange and complex times, in these unprecedented times still on the flip side of Easter? How is it? that we can speak to this world and help them encounter the God who is not far from any of us, says Paul. He is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul makes the shift so that he can speak in a way that others may hear and begin to understand the gospel. And I think that that is the call for us as well. I think that is who we are to be as God's very own people, compelled to share a witness in these strange and complex times. These times in which we find ourselves. These times perhaps where you can honor prayer and science. These times perhaps where you value how little children grow and learn about the faith. How is it that we engage? How is it that our faith uses this time to develop spiritually? How do we make the move from marketplace and synagogue into the public forum to give a word that invites others? How do we move from the absolute spiritually into a relationship and engage this world around us? I had had two conversations recently that I think illustrate this point to a T. And in both these situations, there were families who found themselves in very similar settings, in very similar contexts, situations, if you will. Both families, they don't know each other, but both families were losing an elderly parent during this time of social distancing. And both of these parents of these different families we're in a skilled care facility, in a home. And what was similar in this situation is that neither family could get to their loved ones in their last days. And they were distressed. They were angry. I can't even imagine the anguish, the sadness. And yet they engaged these situations quite differently. The first family, the, their father was dying, and, and they were angry, of course. And they had questions. They demanded answers. Why is God allowing this to happen? Why has God done this? Why do we find ourselves? Why must our father die alone? And those are real and valid questions, right? Nobody wants this to happen. And somehow their faith, belief in a sovereign God, I believe it too, somehow they thought that, that that should make the whole situation different. And so they were angry and trying to understand. And I don't fault them. That's simply where they are in their faith. But yet what I would invite us to do is to think about how in this time our faith may grow so that we can engage this sort of similar situation or, or any situation in, in which we find distress or reason to be angry or, or deep sadness. How is it that we can move from those very anguished questions into 
a new understanding, perhaps a new way to bear witness to the presence of God, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, the one who is not far off at all. And that answer came from the second family. That answer came from the family who was losing their mother. Right at the beginning of this pandemic, she was in a a retirement home in Asheville and and in skilled care by that time. Not really a lurch, and yet the, the family desperately, of course, wanted to be with her. And their approach to a similar situation, to a desperate time, a specific context, they began to think deeply, how is it that our faith for decades and how is it that the faith of our mother for decades would lead us to engage this moment of great sorrow, great anguish, great great difficulty, no doubt. And they came to the conclusion that in their faith, they had learned from her and, and from their own faith development that part of what they were called to do is love their neighbor, even when it would cause great sacrifice. Part of what they were called to do is to love their neighbor, even if it meant staying away from this home and from being with their mom. And they settled for a phone call or conversation right at the very end of her life. But they knew that their mother would not want to be the cause of anyone else catching a virus. They knew that. They didn't either. They knew that their mom had lived in such a way where she would do no harm to anybody if she could help it. And that that was part of how her faith informed her. And and they knew that all those many years could not be undone by this one last few days of sorrow, weeks of sorrow. And so they decided to reframe the situation, to look at it from a different perspective, to understand as they had grown spiritually that that the absolute was not the way that they should engage this moment. And the anger was not the way they would choose to engage this moment. They were in a different place. Not better, but different because they were willing to to move from one place to another. They were willing to understand context. They were willing to get that God's spirit, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, is not bound by space and time. And that in these darkest of moments, dark moments, when both families were losing a parent, that they would grope and search and reach for him, that indeed he was right there. And they knew it. And that was enough. People of God, we have a story to tell. We are compelled to offer this spirit who finds it safe itself in all places and at all times for everybody. And how is it that we will live and move and have our being in such a way that Jew and Christian and pagan alike, that atheist and agnostic alike, that all people would know that this God whom we proclaim is really quite near. And this God who we proclaim isn't going anywhere, not scared of a virus, not not put off by social distance, that this God is right here in the middle of it. That's the message. That's the witness. That's the story that we have to tell in this complex and strange situation in these unprecedented times. God hadn't gone anywhere. And these days do not negate the experience of God for millennia. 
in this God, we live and move and have our being, even those who don't even know it yet. That's our job is to tell them. It's to make sure that they don't go another day without understanding that this God in whom we all live and move and have our being is right here. For we all are God's offspring. God help us to be faithful in such a time as ours and to bear witness to this great and grand God who does not know the boundaries that we know and who is right here with us, inviting others to share this journey of faith, to be part of what God is doing in this, our world. Amen. And let us pray. Again, O oh God, we know that you are here, that you are real, that you are present. Help us, Lord, to grow in your spirit. Help us to know that as we move from one place to another, whether physically or spiritually, that, that you are in that movement, calling us not to stay put, but rather to seek your spirit and to grow in such a way that our witness is the witness you want for this place and this time in these strange and complex days. God help us to be faithful in the most unprecedented of situations, honoring people where they are, and speaking into those lives, those places, those situations, a message of hope that you are present always and everywhere. For it's again in the name of Christ that we live and move and have our being. Amen. So I'm really glad you stayed with us through the end of the service because I'm going to tell you the rest of the story from one of the ones I, I began during my sermon. And it's so important because who knows what church is gonna look like in a month? Who knows what church is gonna look like in three months or a year? I, things are gonna be different, we know that. But what is going to be the same is the role that Harrison Church plays in the lives of people as they develop spiritually from one stage in life to the next. I mentioned the family whose mother um, was in the facility up in Asheville. That was Barbara Crowder. And I think that so many of you who are here now don't remember Richard Crowder, who was pastor here back in the 50s. And my friend is who told me the story, Ashley, and, and she, she helped me to realize that, that whatever it is church is going to be in the future, Harrison Church is rooted as a place where people are free to learn and to grow and to explore this unknown God to many and yet the God that is so very real to us. And we move from one stage to another encountering God, realizing that in him we live and move and have our being and that this church is a place where such growth can happen. We've all been given some time right now how is it that we are using that time to take that next step in our faith, to grow deeper in relationship with God, not so we don't have those moments of questioning or being angry necessarily, but so we realize that no matter what, no matter what happens in these strange and complex times, no matter what happens in this unprecedented situation, we know that God is here and God is with us. And as we move into an unknown future, we certainly know the God that goes with us. May God help us always to be looking for that next step. It's part of Harrison's tradition. It's part of Harrison's future.
God is with us. And in him, we live and we move and we have our being. Thanks be to God. Go in peace. Amen.